Every play, every stat, every breakdown, on their own they're essential, but altogether they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advantage tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing pieces to get the most out of every second of film. Learn more at huddle.com slash a quick timeout. It's great to have back on the show, WNBA assistant coach, April Schilling. Coach, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, Last time you were on, we spent most of our time talking about guard play and skill development for that position. This time we're going to focus on the bigs. In the modern game, a lot being asked of the forwards now than compared to what was traditionally asked of them. But I have noticed, depending on the team, what is asked out of that position can look different. What is it in regards to team system? What did you require out of that position? And then how did the forwards fit into the overall scheme of things? Yeah, um, well, each team, each roster makeup is very different. And so for for us, we had two really big bigs, you know, five players who were always taller and longer and bigger than the other opposing team. So we try to use that to our advantage um, in anchoring our defense, rim protecting defensively. It was they we were better with them on the court in terms of high percentage shots. Now the ball screen actions were a bit difficult. So there's a, you know, the chess match back and forth, advantage, disadvantage. And, you know, they tried to get our bigs in ball screens and get them out on the floor and moving around. And uh, um, so it just depends on the roster makeup. You know, it's becoming positionless. And when we say positionless, I feel like everyone thinks of the big players playing out on the court, which is not untrue. But also, I think the guards need to have post skills and learn how to, you know, the bigger guards, how to take advantage with their back to the basket and with perimeter to post work and having confidence in there um, when you get rebounds. Um, So I think it goes both ways, but we always talk about the fives, you know, stretching it. So I think, uh, you know, it's, it kind of goes both ways. I think everyone needs to have, just be a basketball player and make the right play. (laughs) Yeah. How do you go about balancing kind of the more traditional post moves and skills that have been required from that position? And then that growing demand for, the perimeter skills and the spacing that's required for modern offenses? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's giving them confidence and practice and training. Um, well, I like to use uh, a lot of player development tools because I obviously you want practice harder than games. And so if a synaptic goggles, which takes away your vision, or a laser ball handling machine, which gives them more confidence when they get it and they get the double team in the post and making good decisions, passing it out or dribbling a couple of times, off the DHO, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can use, I feel like, that will kind of give them the edge and give them confidence once they get on the court. So uh, I'd like to share some of uh, those today. We come to the film session of the podcast, so if you're listening to this, you want to go back and, and click the link down in the description to watch what's coming next. Coach, I'm going to just let you go ahead and take it away. Awesome. All right, let's do it. The edge training system is kind of something that – uh, I created uh, about eight eight years ago, and it's I've added to it as I've seen things that have helped. Um, this is for all players. It's the Whoop um, band. I have one on right now. Big fan of this. It takes a guesswork out of 
kind of where they are performance wise, it measures your strain, recovery and sleep. And so trainers and coaches, I feel like kind of guess where a team is overall, but this takes the guesswork out of it. Um, here's Shabazz um, doing some work with the with the whoop, but it takes a guesswork out of your training session. So you don't know if it's a if it's a red day, a yellow day or a green day, meaning sh should we really push it like everyone's recovered? We've had a day off or we've traveled. We played 40 games in a few months and now we need just to rest and watch film today or get some shots up. Um, it kind of takes a guesswork out of that. Um, I know coaches love measurable things and this it doesn't get any better than this. Um, a lot of pros and a lot of college players use this. I've used this when I was with the fever and I use it with some of my pro players. I train just because I think it, it allows you to maximize where they are day to day. It gives you a readiness score, how you recovered, how you slept, how much sleep you need. You can put this together within a team and just kind of get a team reading. It's not crazy expensive. I know budgets are a thing. But it's not um, over the top. It's uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty good on that front. Uh, but whoop, W H O O P. Uh, if you're looking for something to measure um, how to maximize performance, um, big big fan of this tool. This is the laser uh, dribble machine right here. It's uh, Kennedy Burke, Monique Billings. This is when I was with the, worked with the UCLA players a few years ago. This is kind of like helping your processing, as you can see right there on the screen, something, it's like kind of like Guitar Hero. So it kind of meets this generation where they are. It gives you immediate feedback, what you got on that drill. So every time it's going across, you're doing a different, different drill between, behind. This is Lonzo Ball using it when he was at UCLA. So it's kind of like a, it's gamified, but it, it's actual, it's a good warm up. It's a good off season workout. It's so Laser 900, Curtis Smith um, invented this and he was a player, D1 player, and but also an engineer. And so a lot of NBA teams have this Laser 900, but it basically simulates you making a quick read on the court and you got to react. And if you don't, it reads it and gives you kind of a score. And they have hundreds of drills. I mean, Gannett Baker has some on there. There's, there's a ton of drills within the system that you can use. Uh, depending on what your focus is. But I do like to use it with front court players because obviously if the game's positionless, there's Curtis right there. Um, and it gets faster as you get better. It's a nice little competitive. You get a score and you move on to the next thing. So that that's a good player development tool if you're looking for something uh, to help create some energy around ball handling. The synaptic goggles, um, I used this a little bit with Dallas this year. It basically takes away your vision in different speeds. It takes off different quadrants of your eyes. So your eyes are your processing ability and your reaction time on the court, it's 80% your vision. So think about if you take away your vision, the easy free way to do it is close your eyes, right? And then you create that muscle memory, whether you're dribbling, you're passing, you're shooting, just closing your eyes, you create an even higher level of muscle memory, but this takes it away in different um, speeds and different ways. And so we use this a little bit with Dallas and I use it a lot with my pro players just to create a confidence around your handle, around passing, around decision. Now this Ash is a seven foot, 285 pound. We called him the great Dane when he played for GCU and he used these goggles before he got to him. And my husband coaches at GCU. So 
he has the best hands that you can he'll catch any ball it's amazing but he wasn't always like that um my, my husband coached in the nba and coached a lot of nba players and he said you know kavon looney and just a ton of different players he said ash had the best hands that he's ever seen and it's funny when we were making uh when he was shooting this video for me he said that one of the things he really improved on and he didn't know why i mean he said i didn't have good hands i couldn't catch i'm like you're kidding me like you're, you're <laughs> like the poster child of this how did you get there and so he used these goggles these synaptic training goggles before he even came overseas and then he used them at wichita and then at gcu so i mean if he's not a testament to it like and I don't know what coach doesn't want a big with big with good hands. So um, it's worth a look. This is a, a two ball training, two ball dribbling. I love to warm up players like this because it gets you in a basketball stance. It gets your hands on the ball. You're building basketball muscles. You're not moving crazy because you're raising the heart rate. Um, this is a good way to warm up players and sneak in some ball handling and some feel. I have a whole routine, but we, we do it with goggles and then without. There's a whole two ball routine that we go through with reps. Because obviously you want things uh, measurable, right? So you can see Dab where you are, but where you want to be. So go into two ball moving. Here's a promise at ASU. She also is playing. I coached her at the Nigerian national team. She's doing a good job of faking low, throwing high. So post players always love this because we, they want the ball, right? With their back to the basket. So working on guards to fake low, get the defender's hands low and pass it by their ear, being ball quick. Uh, another good warm-up drill after the two ball. There's a lot of variations of this. This is just fake low, throw high. Uh, Mikeins, everyone knows what Mikeins are. Single leg Mikeins with the goggles. Now you may think this looks simple. It is hard to do when you take away your vision and you don't know where the ball is going. And obviously we want clean makes, backboard net, but this just takes a simple drill that you probably started in elementary school to a whole new level, force multiplier, if you will. Like, again, we want to make practices harder than games. There's, and then two foot micans with the goggles and then two foot micans without. Miscellaneous micans. This is a drill. If you only have one minute, I would do this. Basically, there's no wrong way to do it. You catch it in different ways around the basket, rebounding on a fake, fake, and score. Um, the only thing I ask is that they're ball quick with it and their eyes are to the rim, make it believable. But if you only have a minute, this is a great drill. It gets it very, very game-like. And if you're doing it right, it's really hard for a whole minute. Um, this is a five-spot combine shooting. They use this a lot in the combines in the NBA. So the first one is just on the block, and I like them to score, score again, give me a good outlet pass, and then they touch the opposite block for an elbow jumper. Score, score again, good outlet, other block. Now we're just doing, I just told her to do hooks to the middle. So you're getting all three levels of scoring. So right now we had post move, post move, mid range, mid range, and now a trail three. And so we'll go until we make 20, shoot some free throws in between to not kill them. But that's a good way to get all three levels of scoring um, in a workout and make it competitive and measurable, which is always the goal next is uh timing drills to throw it up off the glass catch and pogo stick is the first one next one is going to be double pump fake 
So you get them in the air, get them in the air, chin to forehead, chin to forehead, and then knees bent. Don't come out of your stance, common problem. And the pump fake, um, absorb and score. Notice his shoulders are, those first two reps were square to the baseline, so you can absorb a hit. This is ball fake, front pivot, reverse, and then power slide across the lane to use the rim to protect you. One thing we did when I was at Park Tudor, I coached at Yogi Farrell, and he um, was a really good guard, a really great passer, dynamic, played at IU, played in the league a little bit. Now he's in Europe. But when we took over, they had won seven games, and he was getting the ball on time, on target, and smoking the layup. Our bigs were just not at the point where they needed to be. So he was doing everything but making the layup for them. But, man, we struggled early because – of just making layups. And I know I'm preaching to the choir to some coaches right now. <laughs> it drives us nuts. It's as it's close as we can get them and we have to make the layup, right? So, but we didn't spend, we were looking at our practice time. We didn't spend at that point early in the season any time on finishing and making layups. And so we changed our practice dynamic around. And so while the guards were doing a shooting progression for 30 minutes before practice, the bigs were doing this, timing drills, short corner, which we're going to get to next, um, but making layups. And now, um, you know, later in the season, two cha state championships later, I'm telling you, that was a huge part of what turned our season around as we were began to make the open layups and, and be able to um, have confidence when you got there. So it's good to be flexible and kind of reevaluate even in the middle of things. This is a do a bull gag. She's doing the short corner. So if you think of if you are playing against a zone and you catch it in the short corner, uh, moves out of it. So right here is ripping it low. Again, she's getting her shoulders parallel to the baseline, being able to absorb a hit. Yeah, now we're going to rip high so the hands are low. Again, getting your shoulders parallel so she can absorb and take a hit from the help side. The next one is a spin, like a quick spin foot footwork. And then the last one would just be a jab, like a jab right to the rim and a shot. A quick timeout podcast is presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Dr. Dish machines are the most advanced shooting machines on the market. If you haven't already, join top programs like the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Duke Blue Devils, and countless others and upgrade to Dr. Dish Basketball. And now, save an extra $300 on select models when you mention quick timeout podcasts. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. A big thanks to 323 Sports for supporting the show. The guys with 323 Sports are a team dealer providing uniforms, gear, equipment, and more to schools and colleges across the country. I've used them on multiple occasions, and their customer service and low prices are second to none. To find out more, visit 323sports.com, where you can reach out directly to a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. Cody Zeller has played 11 years in the NBA. And the reason he's played 11 years is because he does the dirty work. He makes his teammates better. Brad Stevens actually coined this term, the Zeller screen. In a DHO situation, when the defender is top blocking and try to blowing up uh, the DHO, is he gets under the defender and then flips his hips and it becomes kind of like a step-up angle of a screen. So it's a way to negate the pressure if someone's top blocking or really trying to deny your 
the best guard. We saw this a lot with Enrique this year. He tried to blow up the DHO in our Zoom actions. We went through this quite a bit, uh, the Zeller screening action. Some other um, DHO series as I use it. It's uh, right here we'll see Ash go with the pocket pass. So they're hedging. They're really keying on the ball handler coming off. So you do it to one side, do it to the other. First one's pocket pass. You can score in different ways. Get to the rim and dunk. If you can, floater, perimeter to post or pro hop after the catch on the short roll or just catch and shoot it if you're open. Um, Neka Agumake was uh, really good with this. She loved the pocket pass last year. This is one DHO keep. So this is a lot of times when they're switching, like your zoom action, they're switching that interaction. The post player will just keep it. When his defender's not between him and the basket, he would get to the rim. It really focus on pushing that ball out. Once that happens, it happens quick. And so getting to the rim in one dribble, and then obviously if they cut you off, I put perimeter to post in there so you can crab dribble and use your body. It's basically a pop, so it's hard to rotate all the way out here. If they're switching or they're hedging or hesitate even a little bit to slow down the ball handler, the corner three will be open. Switching gears here to ball screens on the wing. If they are going under, they're just going to roll. Pro hop, but you get the idea they're rolling to the basket if the defender on the ball is going under and they try to bury them and score. So first one is under, so you go both sides and then move on to the next one. This is the screener series for the ball screens. Uh, we went over the guard series in the last podcast. Now we're front court players. So now same thing, same scheme. They're going under, so we're going to rescreen and set the screen lower. Anytime they're going under the ball handler, you want to set the screen lower so that they're not shooting NBA threes. Nearing the end. So now down or ice, so the defender on the ball, once we catch it on the wing, is trying to not let the ball handler use the screen. And so if that happens, Ash's player should be in line with me to the rim right now if they're in the correct position for ice. And on this one, he flips his screen so that it becomes more of a step up versus a side ball screen to create a better angle. Right now, if this happens, it's a two-on-one versus Ash's defender. So you want to throw it to the rim. There's two players on the court. We're not focusing on the tag. Sometimes I'll put a third person on there and he'll catch and throw it to the corner because the corner defender tag, but in this situation, we're just going to get reps at um, going two on one versus the down. Next one is same scheme. They're downing or icing and you're gonna snake it and get to the middle and the screener goes right off the ball handler's back. So it's really important timing wise to after the ball handler snakes, go right to the rim. That's really hard to guard if it puts that post player guarding the screener in a really tough situation, you're going to need help from a tag from somebody. And then obviously in any pick and roll situation, you want to create a two on one, create an advantage, and then uh, make a good quick decision out of it. Uh, last two is drop or um, hard flat hedge scheme. So we're going to banana roll, which means you don't open up to the ball. Like I was always taught in Indiana. Now you're going to banana cut and 
to create more space. I understand why, because, and a lot of post players go to this because it creates more space for the short roll, but it's a pocket pass and you can uh, finish it with different, uh, different ways, get to the rim, pro hop, get past the second wave of the help. That ends our front court player development things that I have used. Just been fortunate to be around some awesome coaches and I try to be a constant learner and pick up things anywhere I'm at. So, so I asked you at the beginning, the balance between the traditional, what we think of skill development for forwards, front court players, and then the modern side of things. And what you just showed looked like a balance between the two. I wonder just based off of what you see, what you have seen recently, are we spending maybe too much time on the modern aspect of it? I, I do think that, you mentioned modern basketball, and obviously the first thing everybody thinks of is everybody just shoots threes, mm -hmm. but it's a lot more than that. But I also wonder, are we spending too much time on the screen and roll, pick and pop, forwards being able to dribble, that you don't work on the finishes around the rim, the modern, the modern mic and drills that we have, and that sort of thing? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think that, again, depending on your roster and – advantages, disadvantages, what's going to help your team win. Um, I think you've got to kind of go at it that way because every roster is different. Tierra McCowan's um, probably not going to win as a lot of games by shooting the three and, and counting on that, <laughs> you know, and if she can finish and, and sprint in and out of screens and, and catch and, and when they tag her and they double team her, be a great passer out of it to our shooters, then, that will probably be a better advantage, more time spent on those things. So I think you have to break it down with your roster. I don't think it's like a black, white, you do this and it'll work, but throwing in, mixing in, you know, a variety of things so that when they're in those positions on the court, they're confident. That's kind of our only job really is to get them to be when it's game time, man, they have the edge and they have that mentality. Like I've done the work and now I'm confident to, to play my best. This may be a summary of what you just mentioned, but the the modern skills that are needed for that position, the DHO, the players at the top of the key being able to, like a big, being able to dribble into a pick-and-roll situation or keep it, so the decision-making with that based off of how the, the guy that he's dribbling at plays it. I watched some of the Wings games from last year, highlights with the, from that, being able to catch even at kind of the nail area, 15, 16 foot, and then be able to dribble into something, whether that's a direct score or going into, you know, a post-up dribble post-up or being able to pass out of that. I saw even some like horn stuff, like being able to catch it, then face up and either shoot it or put it on the floor. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else like that that you would say, based off of, of what offenses are doing now, we need to make sure that we're spending time doing this with our front court players? I think that it, it, it goes in pieces like it goes from two ball handling. Like if they can dribble two balls with think of your five players and they spend time every day, like five, 10 minutes a day doing two ball work. When they get to one, it's like you're confident. You can do a DHO all day long or you can catch in the mid post and, and crab dribble and be confident with your passing decision making out of it. So I think it goes back to those fundamentals. Like it's not like this big highlight, crazy Oh wow, what a what a great no, it's it's the fundamentals, it's the base of dribbling, passing, shooting, and being confident in those things. And can we be creative as coaches and trainers to make it fun and make it uh, measurable, make it competitive? Yes, I think that's 
that's our like that that's our job is to figure out ways to make it fun make it exciting give it energy because it's fundamentals when it comes down to it if you can't dribble pass and shoot you're not gonna win <laughs> you're just not so making those things uh fun i think is the big challenge from the defensive side are you spending the majority of your time with those players working on like pick and roll defense and then rebounding is that like the top two things from the defensive side uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Cause every shot clock ends in a ball screen most of the time or a rebound. So yes, those two things are, are things that you work on, uh, you know, hitting and getting and feeling comfortable making contact with, um, and then going and getting the ball out of your area. Those are things that yes, every day should be, uh, at least worked on a little bit. Yeah. This is like the most asked question that I feel like, how does your team become a better rebounding team? I don't know if you know this but the wings last year by far and away the best rebounding team yeah, offensive <laughs> rebounding was not even close please don't do what one guest did even if it's the right answer make something up for me i asked him <laughs> so how are you guys such a good rebounding team he said well we have really tall players i know you started with that and said you have really <laughs> tall players it helps but it's got to be more <laughs> give me something more than that for those of us who don't have the tall players <laughs> on the court um, well, from a rebounding standpoint, I always like to use the term hit and get. If you're not hitting and getting both of those things, if you're just hitting, then you're just keeping your player and someone else will get it. But hitting and going, pursuing the ball, I mean, it's Rodman. It's it's a it's a skill set. Creating space is a skill set. Understanding angles and timing and when to bump them. Um, and then for the guards, it's hit and chase. Because usually guards get rebounds because they're they're at least checking, look, and then they're running it down. So to simplify rebounding, that's those are the two terms I usually go to. All right. Last thing before I let you go, I'm I'm sure okay. people are gonna have questions, comments, want to reach out about things. So can you direct them to where they can connect with you? Sure. Um April D. Schilling on Twitter or IG is probably the easiest way to direct message. Yeah. It's Coach April Schilling. Coach, I really appreciate you coming back on the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.